Welcome to the Fish House Nation podcast presented by Catch Cover, your home for ice fishing news, tips, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Chris Larson. Welcome to the Fish House Nation podcast, and we are approaching the 4th of July weekend. Uh, we're not too far away, less than two weeks away, and I think now would be a good time if you're planning on doing some fishing that week, like I am, uh, to get your stuff kind of put together and ready to go. And we're going to be talking organization today with our co-host, Blake Tollefson. Blake, how are you doing today? Good. How about you, Chris? Just living the dream, buddy. You know, every day I wake up and can't believe this is how my life turned out. So it's all fun. We can sit around and talk fishing today. Uh, first of all, you know, we're going to talk organization. I guess the, the first thing to talk about with this is why is it important? I mean, why why is it important to have our gear the way it should be? Well, it's first and foremost, it makes life a lot easier, especially once you hit the water. You know, you know where those things are at. Uh, you know where you can find those things. It's there's nothing worse than looking for something specific and you can't find it. And it was, maybe it was just in the wrong box or you left it in your garage because you thought you grabbed that right box to put it in your boat. But it's, it just helps you on the water. Um, whether it's your, your rod setups, your reels, your tackle in general, it just helps you be a little bit more efficient. Like I said, you know where those things are at so you can find them when you need them. Yeah. For me, uh, my way of organizing is just buying a lot of things. So, you know, I've got like five pairs of needle nose top pliers, you know, five fingernail clippers. Um, just having, having a lot kind of, kind of, uh, counteracts that and makes it, uh, I'm able to overcome my disorganization, but, uh, but that's something too. I mean, we're going to talk about tackle, but you know, all those little tool things and having the tool organizers in the boat, those type of things. So it's always kind of at hand. And that's something that I've really got into doing uh, this last winter with the fish house is just having a station, basically, no matter where you're sitting in that fish house, you're always within arm's reach of a fingernail clipper or, or needle nose pliers, or just something to get a hook out of a mouth. So just having that stuff kind of at hand and, and no matter where you're fishing, having it ready. Because sometimes, you know, if I'm fishing by myself, I'm in a different spot than if I'm fishing with two people or even if I'm fishing with three people, you know, I'll be in different parts of the boat depending on how many people are in the boat and who's in the boat. If I'm fishing with kids, I'm going to be in a different spot than if it's me and you or me and another person, an adult person. But let's talk about tackle. How do you kind of get your tackle organized and have it ready to go? Yeah, so I mean, I, I'm guilty of taking things to another level uh, beyond a lot of people. I'm super organized in my personal life, so that translates really well to fishing. So I guess kind of the easiest thing for me is I sort every base on tackle type. So I have a box that of jigs that I use specifically for live bait jigs. Uh, and then I have a box of jigs that I use specifically for plastics. And within that box, those are sorted by, you know, weight, style type, that kind of thing. Um, with my crankbaits, there's a box for the number fives, the number sixes, the number sevens. There's a box for top water. You know, basically just having an individual setup for everything is it's kind of the easiest thing that you can do. Just, you know, tackle boxes, those little trays are pretty inexpensive, four or five dollars. So you can get a handful of those and get all of your stuff super organized. Um, the, the one challenge with being organized on that level is just making space for all of it 
but it just, you know, you recognize you don't need to bring everything with you every time you go. Um, I think we've all been guilty of that. Just only bring the stuff you need. So like I said, I have all my stuff organized in these individual boxes and then I just grab the stuff I need as I'm going. Um, you know, if I'm going to go pan fishing, I'm not going to bring all of the stuff that I would use for smallmouth bass or for walleyes. I'm just going to grab that specific panfish stuff. Um, another thing I like to do with uh, the tackle in particular is I, I bought a label make and label the outside of each box so I can quickly look and be like, okay, yep, that's the box that has these jigs in it. That's the bag that has these plastics in it. It just makes it a lot more efficient. I'm not sorting through my entire tackle box, not looking through every you know sleeve of boxes I have in the garage just to find which specific ones I'm looking for. Yeah, like you said, you're kind of a you're you're not the average fisherman. Um, I think one of the things that a lot of people do, and I see it, and I think it's handy if if you're not you know quite as gear specific as you is just having species specific boxes. You know, have a you know this yep. is kind of my my ten favorite bluegill lures. These are my ten favorite largemouth lures. These are you know just kind of having that at hand, um, and I kind of like to. It's one of those things if you know you're going to, let's say today we're going to go and do some largemouth fishing and you get out there and you start fishing and, and you start marking smallmouth somewhere and, and being able to pivot on that is nice to have. But I think if you're not going to be quite as, you know, like I said, you're pretty, you're gear intensive, Blake. Um, but <laughs> yes, yeah. the average guy just having maybe those species specific boxes are nice. Um, I've been doing a lot of Great Lakes fishing this spring and have been in the boats of a lot of really, really good anglers. And some of those guys will be fishing Lake Ontario one day. And then the next day they're fishing out on Lake Erie. And, you know, they're going to use different colors. They're going to use different things for whatever they're doing. And they'll have, you know, they'll have a Lake Erie box and they'll have a Lake Ontario box. So, you know, maybe there's some stuff that you're going to use if you're fishing you know, the favorite lake that's just down the street in a different box that maybe, you know, another lake down the road too. So um, sometimes uh, bodies of water specific boxes may be the way to go as well. Yeah, those are great, great suggestions too. It, it You know, it really depends on your fishing style. Do you target more than one species? You know, are when you're going out for a day, are you going to specifically target two or three different species? Um, so all that stuff kind of plays a role. This is just specifically how I do it. Sure. Well, let's talk about uh, your rods and reels and, and how do you organize those. And let's talk a little bit, not just about how you organize in the boat, but how you kind of deal with that at home in the garage as well. Yeah. So a lot of that, again, falls to uh, when I'm going to, out for a day of fishing, I try to plan what I'm fishing for specifically. It doesn't mean I won't grab like an extra rod for something else. But like if I'm going to go and target smallmouth bass, I try specifically just to have uh, mostly just rods would use for those applications. You know, typically I'll carry like one panfish rod or, you know, something else just in case I happen to find this crazy pot of crappies or bluegills that I want to fish. Um, but I, I try to just stick with those specific things. Um, in addition to that, I keep an inventory. So like I just have an Excel spreadsheet when I buy a new rod and a new reel, I like to you know, make sure there's something there that matches it up. So I'll put the rod in one column, the reel that goes with it, the line type I'm going to put on there or that's on there. Then that helps a lot, you know, especially during the off season when you're making these transitions. I just go look like, okay, yep, this reel goes on this rod. Um, I know what line is on there. I know what line I had on there previously. Uh, 
and then just another thing I like to do with those reels is on the reel seat itself, um, what I'll do is I'll just put a, a label or a piece of tape with the poundage of line that I have on there. It just, it just helps because like when you have a ton of different setups, sometimes you forget, oh, did I have 12 pound on there or 15 pound? It's just a good, good reminder. Um, you know, in the garage, I have a couple of different rod racks. So like I have a ceiling rod rack that I use for rods that don't get used a lot. Like I don't do a lot of trolling, but I do have a handful of trolling setups. So those rods stay up there until I need them. Um, they only get pulled down when they're needed. And then I have like a floor rod rack for the, the, the rods that get used a lot more regularly. So if I'm like, if I'm fishing panfish one day and fishing smallmouth the next, I like to be able to just quickly swap out those rods and reels. Yeah. So just having that stuff ready to go and, and labeling those, those reels as well. And again, you know, I was out on these great lakes boats and, and they're fishing with a lot of lead core and it's important for them to have that stuff labeled right in those reels. They know what their three color is. They know what their five color is. They know what their seven color is. And most of these guys will run, you know, they'll run odd numbers on one side of the boat and the other side, they're going to run a two color, four color, six color. Um, but just having that stuff organized, they know where it is. They know they can just glance at the reel. They know uh, how much lead core is on those reels. If they're running copper, you know, they're going to show a 500 copper, 400 copper. They're going to keep that um, really easily at hand so they kind of know what they're going to grab. What about uh, terminal tackle? You know, do you have a, a box that's got all your swivels and clips and that kind of stuff as well? Yep. I just, I use a couple of different smaller ones. Um, so I'll have one for like all my Lindy weights or my walking sinkers, things like that. But then when it comes to, like I have a small box that I'll keep some spare hooks in there, some swivels, um, the original, you know, a box for sinkers, that kind of stuff. I just like to keep it all separate. Um, but a lot of that stuff fits well together. Like I'm if I'm using um, certain hooks, certain swivels and certain weight types, those are oftentimes in the same box because they're going to be used in that, those specific situations. What does it look like in your garage at the end of the year? Do you kind of go through all of this stuff and before you put it away, how, how does that work? I do. Yep. So, and I typically, I'll do that throughout the season. Um, when I'm on the water fishing, I'm guilty of cutting a lure off and throwing it in a box. So I try to set aside some time throughout the season to actually sort all those things out again, kind of get me back to where I was. But it's really hard in the moment to just make sure you're putting everything exactly where it's supposed to be. So I take some time throughout the season. And then again, at the end of the season, just to make sure everything's the way it should be. It just helps when I get to that next season. I know where everything's at. I know what I need to stock up on, um, what I have a plethora of. So it's just helpful in that aspect. Yeah, I think one of the important things and you touched on a little bit earlier with keeping organized is that it just helps you know what you have and what you don't have. And, yeah. you know, when you're putting that that shopping list together, I'm one of those people that I just despise getting crappy Christmas gifts. And I know people mean well, but I'm like, here's a list of all the things I need. And I'll just <laughs> compile this list and send it out to everybody. And it's like, Instead of buying me like some shirt that I don't like, just go ahead and you know pick me up a, <laughs> a couple of crankbaits or something. And it's it's probably going to be cheaper for you, and I'm going to be more excited about it. So being able right. to kind of compile that list of things you need, even if it's not for a Christmas list, that's almost a joke. But um, just to just to know what you should be looking for in the off season. Hundred percent. All right, let's talk about another story that surfaced this week, and that's. Uh, a big fish out in North Dakota. 
Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, it was uh, a Xander that uh, was caught out in North Dakota. So if people don't know what a Xander is, it's kind of the, the European walleye, essentially, is the best way to describe it. And it was around 30, was it 32 inches, I think. Yeah. Um, and, and Xander, like, from, like, the research I've done, people I've talked to who've actually fished them, I guess they they get up to, like, 40 inches. Like, that'd be a trophy Xander, where, you know, like, a 30-inch would be a trophy inch. Uh, trophy of walleye so it uh i guess back in the 80s i think it was the 80s maybe 90s as well the north dakota dnr stocked um xander in some of their bodies of water and so that's where these fish are, are coming from yeah it was it was actually one lake that they stocked and they were stocking it uh, throughout the 80s and the fish didn't really take and then there was a lot of concern about you know you're taking this fish that's native to europe and you're putting it out here in North Dakota. And I know there was uh, some people in Ontario that were not happy about it. I know the Montana DNR was also not happy about it. And, and it sounded like they didn't take very well in the lake anyway. So I think yep. in 1990, uh, they stopped trying. But what ended up happening, again, this is like a, one of these North Dakota kind of pothole type slough uh, pieces of water out there. And uh, you know, there was some flooding and some of these fish got into some other lakes. So they're in a handful of lakes out there and, um, you know, they've still survived just from that, that planting from the 80s and 90s and not in the numbers that the North Dakota uh, Department of Game and Fish was hoping for. But, you know, of course, now they probably wish they weren't there at all. But yeah, as far as size, uh, the all world tackle, uh, all world um, record fish is a 25 pounder caught in switzerland and you see those pictures of some of those fish in europe and yeah blake you're right uh, upper 30s into 40 inches uh that would be a pretty fun and they look yeah. like a walleye i mean if you were to show it to someone who doesn't know what they're looking at uh you could you could probably pass it off but they almost look like a photoshop job or one of those stretch your arm out because they, they get that big they do it's funny when you say how they look like i've seen a handful of advertisements throughout the last few years where um, obviously their marketing team doesn't know the difference between a Xander and a walleye because they'll throw up a picture of a Xander in a, an advertisement for uh, a walleye fishery. So it's, they, they definitely do look similar, but there's some, some obvious differences. Yeah. So, but anyway, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, we don't really need any more invasives over here, but it still would be kind of fun if we could like keep those in a few lakes every once in a while here or there and, and yeah. be able to go out and, and chase those fish down. Uh, so as of right now, at least as far as we know, you're going to have to go to North Dakota or else go to Europe to, to catch one of these things. But uh, yeah, pretty right. cool. This guy that uh, that caught this one, he is kind of a, a Xander specialist. I think he caught a big one through the ice earlier this year too. So uh, yeah, that's uh, it's pretty unreal. You know, like you don't hear about too many people catching them and for somebody to catch more than one is, is pretty awesome. Yeah, he's you know those those bodies of water, those guys, the, the local guys out there. I think sometimes they get pretty dialed in. You've got those those little pothole sloughs out there that are loaded with giant perch too, and and those guys right. go out and pound those as well. And it's like, I'd like to just be invited to one of those one day. I mean, it, it just looks like <laughs> too much fun. Yeah, it it would be. So, well, good talking to you this week, Blake. Hope everybody enjoyed the show. We'll be back next week, and uh, hey. We've got that uh, 4th of July week coming up, so 
hopefully everybody's got some big plans to get out on the water. Uh, for Blake, I'm Chris, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the Fish House Nation podcast presented by Catch Cover. For more ice fishing content, visit our blog at catchcover.com.